0: Hello and welcome to In the Word with Michelle Telfer. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth study of God's Word, the Bible. For more of Michelle's free resources, visit her website at intheword.com. And now, Michelle. Father God, thank you so much for drawing us together as you have. And as I always pray, Lord, I pray that I would become less and that you would become more, that you would speak to us and lead us into all truth. It is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope these last two weeks have really offered you words of encouragement and hope, as they've done for me. We've seen so much, haven't we? Psalm 139 showed us how deeply God knows us and loves us. He created each of us individually so that we might come to know Him and walk with Him. He surrounds us in every direction and no matter where we go or what we do, He is there. And just in case that seems a bit too much to bear, David reminds us in Psalm 23 that God is also a loving shepherd who calls us by name, provides everything we need, protects us from danger, and who will one day welcome us to live in his eternal home. Last week, we looked at Psalm 91 and learned a bit more about how God protects us and what exactly he protects us from. He draws us close to himself in the secret place near to his heart, and he shelters us rather like a mother hen does her chicks. He guards us with his own pledge of faithfulness, a word that he will never go back on. And because Christ has already won the victory against that old serpent, Satan, we too will triumph over him and all his efforts to harm us in the end. We aren't promised a life of freedom from the enemy's attacks. Sometimes they will come against us hard and fast. But we are promised that God will answer When we call to Him, He will be with us in our troubles and He will show us His salvation. We do not need to fear anything. Today, I want us to look at a couple of Psalms that offer some words of hope about how we journey through life. The first is one from a group of 15 Psalms that have come to be called the Psalms of Ascent. Let me explain. Three times each year, the Jewish people were commanded to worship the Lord together at the temple in Jerusalem. This entailed long journeys for many of them. The city of Jerusalem itself is built on seven hills, and as the already tired pilgrims made their long climb to the holy city, they would sing these songs, Psalms 120 to 134, together. These particular hymns renewed their focus, reminding them why they were on the journey in the first place. They were going to worship the God they loved. According to tradition, the Jewish priests also sang some of these same psalms each time they walked up the steps into the temple to perform their duties. They are the songs of a people on the way to worship. The Psalm of Ascent that I've chosen for today is Psalm 121. This is precious to me personally because of how God used it in my own life when my husband Colin lay dying in hospital some years ago. As I sat at his bedside, listening to the soft, rhythmic sounds of the ventilator helping him to breathe, I noticed that the window opposite me looked out onto the nearby mountains. As I contemplated their beauty, I thought about my husband. He was a wonderful man who loved the Lord. He was devoted to me and a good father to our two children. I had always felt cared for and safe with him as my spouse. But I realized that my life would soon be different. My journey was going to change dramatically. As I looked at the jagged peaks and the clear blue sky, I wondered how I was going to be able to do that. It was then that the Holy Spirit spoke to me through the verses of this familiar psalm. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. As I imagined those tired travellers trudging ever upwards toward Jerusalem, looking at the hills that lay ahead of them, I felt tired too. Though I had a different sort of hill to climb, I knew I had little strength of my own for the effort. Like the psalmist, my heart was also asking, where does my help come from? But those traveling to Jerusalem weren't thinking primarily about the mountains that lay ahead of them. They were thinking about the Lord who had created those mountains. He was their help. The one who penned the psalm knew that the Lord was tirelessly watching over him and would help him. The Lord would not let his foot slip on the treacherous path he followed, and I sensed that God wanted me to trust him in that same way too. The road I was about to embark on would surely not be a smooth one, but I knew that he would not let my foot slip either, no matter how hazardous the terrain. Sadly, I think that Our human tendency in times of trial is often to look for help in all the wrong places. We try to solve our problems ourselves, depending on our own strength. When that fails, we turn to the wisdom of the world, trusting in what man can do, rather than looking to the Lord as our helper. Now, don't get me wrong, God does use people to accomplish his purposes, but no matter who or what he uses, we need to remember that our help actually comes from him. In verse 4, the psalmist does something that is really very helpful for all of us to do whenever we face times of trial. He looks back to remember God's faithfulness to his people in the past, and what that means for the present and the future. So he says in verse 4, Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Israel had been attacked continually over the centuries. They were constantly under threat from their enemies, who were unrelenting. But the psalmist recalls that God had never fallen asleep on the job, so to speak. He had faithfully watched over his people. In the same way, you and I have an unrelenting enemy who prowls around like a lion waiting to devour us. But this same God is always watching over us too. Listen to how the psalmist describes God's oversight. He says in verse 5, The Lord watches over you, The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Look at how personal this is. God concerns himself with what his people are going through. He's not distant. No, he's present. And the same is true for you and me today. And note how complete his care is. No matter what we're called on to face, day or night, the Lord stands over us as a protective shield. Now, I understand that it may not feel like that to you right now, but you have no way of knowing the unseen things that God is protecting you from even now. I think it's only when we stand before him in heaven that all that will be fully known. Through every trial and storm, he is our shelter and our refuge and he promises to keep those who look to him from all harm. Sitting in that sterile hospital room that afternoon, I felt God's reassurance that he would watch over my life and that no matter where I went or what I did, He would watch over my coming and my going both now and forevermore. I would not have to journey alone. It's been almost five years since I looked out that window and heard God's voice to me in that psalm, and I want to tell you that His promises have all proven to be true. Though I've had to face some difficult twists in my journey as a widow, in all that I've faced, the Lord has not let my foot slip. He has not only watched over me, he has guided me, at times giving me wisdom beyond my own. Now, that's not to say I've made no mistakes along the way, nor that things have always gone smoothly. There have indeed been challenges But I know more deeply now than ever before that my help comes from the Lord. My eyes are fixed on him and he has been faithful. And I know that he will be faithful to you too if you would but look to him for help. When you lose a loved one, you don't just have to face the loss of the person. There are secondary losses as well. My husband had taking care of so many other things, our finances, our household repairs, to name just a few. As I faced the mounting stress of feeling responsible for everything myself over the weeks and months that followed, there were many times that I felt I just wanted to run away from the circumstances that I had to face. In fact, I remember frequently repeating a phrase to the Lord from another psalm, Psalm 55, verses 6 to 8, which perfectly described how I felt. I said, O Lord, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away to be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. I just wanted to fly away, to escape my responsibilities and my feeling of loss, I so desperately wanted to find my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. It was then that the Lord spoke to me through the second psalm I want us to consider today, Psalm 84. It begins, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The Bible tells us that Psalm 84 was composed by one of the sons of Korah. These men were descendants of one of Moses' relatives and they were responsible for leading God's people in worship at the temple. See how the composer's soul longed for God's house? Everything within him, his heart and his flesh, cried out for the living God. Oh, that we would desire God in just the same way. But it was the next verses that really became significant to me. Verse 3. Even the sparrow has found a home and a swallow, a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, They are ever praising you. It was as if the Lord was speaking to the frightened bird within me, the one that was so desperate to find a special place of shelter protected from the storm. God was encouraging me to find my place of safety, the place of refuge for my family, right by his altar. For those who dwell there praise him forever and are blessed. But even as we rest there in his presence, life must be lived. So in verse 5, the psalmist mentions a blessing that sustains us as we journey. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they will make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Although Psalm 84 is not one of the Psalms of the Ascent, it seems that the writer's thoughts drifted back to those making their pilgrimage to God's house in Jerusalem. Many scholars believe that the Valley of Bacca was an actual place that worshippers may have passed through on their way to the holy city. It was a dry and inhospitable place, fraught with difficulty, but the knowledge that they were making their way to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, here called Mount Zion, gave the pilgrims strength to go on. The thought of their destination was what kept them going. The psalmist's reference here pictures a great spiritual truth. Those who set their hearts on pursuing God, who determine to follow the Lord on their journey through life, will be blessed as they depend on him for their strength to face hardship and trial. It may surprise you to learn that the valley of Baca in Hebrew means the valley of weeping. Notice the psalmist does not say if we pass through the valley of weeping. He says as we pass through that valley. For indeed, a season of weeping comes to every life. But for those who long for God's presence, whose hearts cry out for Him— Their valley of weeping will become a place of springs, covered with pools to quench both their thirst and the thirst of others. The psalmist's word for springs here is significant also, I think. In Bible times, water was often collected for times of drought in cisterns, which would often become stagnant and almost undrinkable. By contrast, spring water flowed freely from deep underground. In fact, it was often called living water because it brought life everywhere it flowed. And the psalmist says that even our worst valleys can become places of refreshment and hope. They can be used to bring life to others if we keep our eyes fixed on the Lord who awaits us at the end of our journey. 35 years was a long time to be married and as I learned to live my life without my husband, believe me when I say that I knew what it was like to walk through the Valley of Baca, the Valley of Tears, and yet quite remarkably I discovered that somehow my Valley of Loss gave me a greater ability to minister to others than ever before. It seemed as if people sensed that I could understand their own hurts and disappointments in a deeper way, and so they began to share more openly with me than others had before my loss. As they did, I found God equipped me to comfort them, even though our circumstances were often very different. It was almost as if God was using the very tears that I had cried to water the seeds of his word planted in the hearts of others. Those who journey through life looking to God for their strength, who make their home in his presence, will grow spiritually stronger as they continue to meet adversity with unshaken faith, even in the midst of tears. They go from strength to strength, always finding the grace that is needed for the next step, the next bend in the road. Only God can help us persevere like that through calamity, sorrow and severe trials. And only he can turn our valley of baka into springs of blessing and pools of refreshment for ourselves and for others. The psalmist then closes with words of praise and devotion. He begins in verse 8 by asking God to receive what he wants to say. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on your shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. And then he expresses the desire of his heart in verse 10. For the psalmist, even a moment in the presence of God is far greater than a lifetime apart from him. He would rather stand outside of God's house in his courts, serving him, than dwell in luxury inside the tents of the wicked. For truly, the Lord God is a sun and shield to those who seek to walk with him. He bestows favor and honor on them and doesn't withhold any good thing from them if their walk is blameless. Now, if you're like me, the first question to my mind after that statement is how can we ensure that our walk is blameless before God? For all of us have sinned in some way or another. All of us fall short of his glory. Well, the good news is that God has provided a way for us to be reconciled to him, to be able to come before him blameless of our sin. He sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die as our substitute on the cross. He has paid our debt to God with his own blood. All of our sin was put on him so that we might be clothed in his righteousness. Because of Jesus, God's favor and honor are upon us and no good thing has been withheld from us. Jesus Christ fulfills everything God has ever promised and all that he has is ours. And surely we can say with the psalmist that blessed is the one who trusts in the almighty God. These two psalms today provide a beautiful picture of the joy of walking with God and enjoying fellowship with Him. They express the psalmist's testimony that there was no place they would rather be than in God's presence. He was everything they desired and everything they would ever need. So where do you want to be? With whom do you most want to journey through your life? with our great creator who loves us so deeply, or with those who don't know him and who pay him no heed. Even the worst times afford us an opportunity to feel God's presence and know his blessing, for he is able to use all things, yes, even the difficult things of life, for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. A day in his courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. A moment with him is better than an eternity without him. But the choice is ours. By entrusting ourselves into his care, we can journey with him now and live with him forevermore at journey's end. And my prayer is that we will. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you so much for Jesus Christ, who you sent to die as our substitute on the cross. Thank you that he has paid our debt with his own blood. All of our sin was put on him so that we might be clothed in his righteousness. Thank you, Lord God, that we may stand before you with a blameless walk because of him, because of Jesus, And Lord, we thank you that he fulfills everything you have ever promised and that all he has is ours. And as your word says, blessed is the one who trusts in the almighty God. Lord, we know that in this journey with you, we may face mountains of trial. We may face valleys of tears, but you promise to be with us through it all that you will guide and strengthen us. You will not allow our foot to slip and you will turn those valleys into places of great joy, places of springs, bringing life and comfort to others. Lord, I pray that my own testimony would be used by you today to encourage the hearts of those who are hurting and that we would all see that even the worst of times can be used for great good in your kingdom. It is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to In the Word with Bichelle Telfer. Join us next week as we continue our study from God's Word, the Bible. Michelle's messages are also available on all major podcast platforms and on her website at intheword.com.